Well, good morning. Haven't seen you all since last year. No, I know. I know. It's, it's, that's an old one. That's number six. <clears throat> no, it's a beautiful way to start the new year. And uh, I came back from uh, Fort Worth, from Texas. It was 64 degrees last Sunday. 64. That's on the plus side. We should think about that for just a second. 64. It was 12 this morning. My truck was frozen. My poor truck. Anyway, thanks. Thank you for uh, for being here today. We're grateful that we're offering our praise and our ad- adoration to our God uh, for what a wonderful gift that He's given us, and we are so pleased that you're here with us, and we're we're grateful that we can call Him Father and that He thinks of us as His children. <clears throat> there is a uh, a poet. Actually, Elizabeth married a poet, and this started a problem in, in her home. Her parents disowned her because she married uh, a poet. Her uh, father and mother, because of, of, of this poet, Robert Browning, uh, they were upset, and they actually moved and, and began their home in Florence, Italy, and when she was there, she began writing letters because she loved her mother and father, and she did everything she could to be reconciled to them. And so every time she wrote, several times a month, she wrote expressive, loving letters, and 10 years went by with no response, and finally a package came from her parents. And it was, it was a happy moment for Elizabeth because there was finally a response from home. And so she eagerly opened the package, but inside she found all of the letters that she had sent, and none of them had been opened. None of them had been read. Oh, these letters became poetry. They are poetry. And Elizabeth uh, Browning uh, Elizabeth Barrett Browning is, is pretty well known for these beautiful, eloquent letters, letters of reconciliation, and they're called some of the most beautiful and expressive in all English literature, but her parents never read them. What a tragedy. She wanted to have that relationship reestablished. She wanted reconciliation. And yet, she did not get what she wanted. That word reconciliation, that's probably one you haven't used uh, ever in your language. But think about this. This is uh, how to cultivate a friendship with God. And we go all the way back to Moses, and there he is uh, in the tent of meeting, and it's as if He's meeting face-to-face with God. He speaks to God as to a friend. You ever been to a, a coffee shop with a friend? How do you speak with that person? How do you talk to your friend? This is the definition of reconciliation, literally transforming enemies into friends. Humanity being brought into a state of friendship with God. And the Scripture is, 
is full of this information, full of this idea of reconciliation. Listen to these, these verses in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And He is the radiance of His glory, the exact representation of His nature, upholds all things by the word of His power. In Titus chapter 2, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of glory of our great and God Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself a people for His own possession, zealous for good deeds. And in Romans chapter 1, concerning His Son, who was born a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Notice the words that are found, the radiance of His glory. He's sent to redeem us by the resurrection from the dead. And He says, this is our ministry. He's later going to say, be reconciled to God. Be a friend of God. If you can't sit across the table, metaphorically, with your friend, God, then you're an enemy and you need to be reconciled. You need to have this relationship. Open your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll begin about verse 14. We, we could begin back there at verse 11, but it's interesting to think about this ministry of reconciliation. And as we look into the new year, I want you to understand this is an obligation. This is a responsibility. This is a privilege that we have as Christians. We have this privilege of being in this ministry together, this ministry of bringing people back into a relationship with God, being friends with God. Let's begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their transgressions against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, at the acceptable time I listened to you, and on that day, the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Well, there's, there's a bunch of information in this passage. There's a bunch of great news, good news, that we need to have in our mind for the beginning of this new year. First of all, there must be a change in us. There is 
an old way. There is something that we all share, we all have in common, we all have come from the old way. The old way of, of looking out for our own interests, looking out for our own self, and, and not being concerned about what God wants or what He expects of us. And this controlling influence, there must be some sort of change based on the love of Christ. You see, we look in this passage and it says, Christ died for all. Why did we gather around the table this morning? Why did we remember His death? We remember His death because it points us and puts us on the new way, the new path. And this is very interesting because Christ says, I've died for all. We looked at this a little bit this morning in Romans, this morning in Bible class, and this idea that if you're a Gentile, you're a sinner. If you're a Jew, you're a sinner. If, if you're a person, you're a sinner. <laughs> and you need to be justified. And the only way to do that is, as Marcus read in, in uh, Romans chapter 5, this only comes about through the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. And so we gathered around the table this morning and we remembered that and we said, this is the controlling influence. This will provide the change that was definitely needed. Our lives change when we begin to live for Him. And it's a process. Oh, it'd be nice if we could all be at the same level spiritually in this new way, in this new path. But we're not. We're all in different, in different levels and we're, we're making the attempt. We're doing the things that we, we know are right and we're making that attempt. Why? Because we recognize that the old has been done away. And we're making the attempt to push that behind us and, and accept this new way. The new creature, as it's described there in 2 Corinthians 5. The old things have passed. The new things have come. It's a completely different quality. And he says, this is what God has done for us. He has done something that is unthinkable at human standards. Think about what He has done. Because of the separation <clears throat> that we have uh, uh, foisted upon ourselves, we have sinned against God and, and it's, it's separated, separated us from Him. And there's really no way to bridge that gap on our own terms. But God says, here's what I've done for you. I have provided the mechanism, the person that will bring you back into a relationship with me. I can bridge that gap. I have bridged that gap. God doesn't need to be reconciled to us. <laughs> we need to be reconciled to Him. We chose to sin. Our sins, our trespasses <coughs> have separated us. And they've accumulated and they've become this massive pile, and we can't get back without Christ. You see, God's role is the very idea of Him erasing the sin. He cancels the debit in His ledger. He blots out the handwriting with Christ's blood. He looks at our sin and then because we have obeyed Him, because we have gone, we've come back to Him in obedient faith, 
he says, I no longer see that problem. I no longer see that sin. It's gone. And I wonder how he does it. He's an all-knowing God, and yet he promises us to never even remember our sin. I remember my sin, don't you? But God doesn't. Praise the Lord for that. He, he doesn't even see it. He looks at us through the blood of His Son, and all He sees is the perfection of His Son's blood. That's this idea of reconciliation. He said, now I'm giving you some work to do. This idea of ministry. Paul calls it the ministry of reconciliation. God gave us this ministry. And you think about this word, reconciliation, and it's amazing to think that God has enough faith in us. He has enough uh, faith that we will do what He asks us to do, and He's relying on us to carry it out, to set the captives free as Christ has done to get this information. The church, we, the body of Christ, the community of the saved, the people who receive, proclaim, and live by the reconciliation affected by Christ, now we have been given this word of reconciliation. Now we've been given this word, and he says, now get that information into the hearts and minds of other people. It's a ministry. It's a service. It's a work. Acts chapter 13, verse 26 says, Brethren, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, to us the word of this salvation is sent out. In 1 Corinthians, the first letter that he writes to the saints in Corinth, in verse, or chapter 1, verse 18, for the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And in Philippians, he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may prove yourselves to be blameless, innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. We have been given the word of reconciliation. We've been given the word of life. And he says, don't hoard it. Don't keep it to yourself. Share it. It's a ministry. It's a service. And he says, now, I'm going to bestow on you an impressive title. You have an impressive title, ambassador, ambassador for Christ. Hmm. This direct commission, when we reach out, we become Christ on earth. He says, I'm going to fill you and you will become my body on this earth. He says, now I want you to take this word of reconciliation. Now I want, to, I want you to take the word of life and I want you to bring it to others. You become my, my ambassador to bring men the offer, to bring men the conditions. He says, this is what it means to be a citizen of heaven. Huh. 
the position of an ambassador physically an ambassador lives in a foreign land and a foreign language is spoken it's a foreign culture different traditions are honored it's a completely different way of life imagine being an ambassador in Japan or uh, across the little sea there to China or or uh, pick someplace and it's like Imagine the, the difference in culture, but you've been sent over there as an ambassador, and you're, you've been sent over to this foreign culture, and now you speak for the country that you're from. You speak for the United States. Hmm. Well, that would be interesting. You're the very voice of authority. When they want to know what the United States thinks about something, they go and talk to the ambassador, and he tells you, and he speaks with authority. He's been granted that authority to speak for the entire country. The, the honor of the country rests in his or her hands. There he is, there she is, and she's an ambassador. He's an ambassador for the United States. Now, we understand that a little bit. And he says, this is who you are for Christ. We are living in a foreign country. This isn't the end. This is just a temporary layover until we arrive in heaven. This is just temporary. Ask anybody that's uh, elderly. You know how at the age of, or the definition of old is plus 15. Whatever your age is, plus 15, that's an old person. And it's like, remember when you were 15 and you looked at somebody that was like 35, it's like, 35 sounds pretty good right about now. Yeah, and et cetera, et cetera. But this idea of, of being an ambassador and being someone that, that the honor of this country rests, he says, this is just temporary. Now you have something of importance to share, and you speak with authority. You speak with God's authority. You know this. I often ask people, and they sit in Bible class, how long have you been sitting in Bible class? Well, for me, it's been a long time. I was adopted by Christian missionaries. So from the time I was six months old till now, I've been sitting in Bible class. I know a little. And think about where you're at. You know a little. How much do you know? It'd be, it would surprise you how much you know. It's impressive how much you know. Now you can speak with authority. You can say, here's what it says. Let me show you what it says. Let me, let me show you. Let me speak the words of Christ because I am his ambassador. Oh, I know this is temporary. I know this is just a layover. This isn't my true citizenship. My true citizenship is in heaven. And he says, as Christians... We live in this foreign land. We live here on earth, but we're citizens of heaven. That makes us different. As Christians, we speak the words of Christ. We bring the message of God, and God says, I want all, everywhere, to be reconciled to me. What a great ministry. 
You see, this has become God's very will. He says, this is what I want more than anything else. I want all men to be saved. (laughs) I don't want any lost. This is God's desire. And then he says, take this information and share it. This ministry of reconciliation. And as we look into 2020, let's look with perfect vision. Let's look into 2020 and say, here's what I'm about. Here's who I am. I have an important role to fulfill. I'm an ambassador. People can come to me and ask questions about Christ, about His church, and they can come directly to me because I can speak with authority. I have the information. I've looked at it. I've studied it. I've been sitting in Bible class for 60 years. For Pete's sake, whoever Pete is, 60. I know just a little bit about it. As Christians, our every word, our every action will make people think more or less of Christ. Hmm. Our every word, our every action will make people think more or less of His church. You represent Christ. You're a resident of earth, but your citizenship is in heaven. And he says, now get to work. (laughs) And he says, be reconciled to God. That is a choice that needs to be made. Without Christ, there's no radiance. There's no redemption. There's no resurrection from the dead. And there's no reconciliation to God. You are lost without Him. You are no longer a friend. You're an enemy. And here's a, here's a little news flash. If you're an enemy of God, you lose. <laughs> you're not going to win that one. Oh, it's a battle. <laughs> but you're going to be destroyed. Why? It's God. <laughs> be reconciled to God. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Reconciliation began in, the, uh, began in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. He had this in his mind, and he thought of the body of Christ in Montrose in 2020. He thought of the body of Christ there in the Freeway Church of Christ there in Fort Worth. He thought of the body of Christ around the world. He was thinking of you individually And He wants you as His friend. He doesn't want any to perish. It continued with the death of His Son on the cross. And it has not yet been completed. Reconciliation continues until Jesus returns. We sang a song this morning about the heavens peeling back like a scroll. Imagine what that's going to be like. When our atmosphere 
disappears right before our eyes. Think we'll notice? Think we'll sleep through that? We're going to notice that. That's going to be kind of a big deal. There's the Lord. He's returning with, with all the saints, with all those that have gone before. He's returning for us. It's a big deal. He says, be reconciled to God because he's coming back. We continue to be ambassadors for Jesus as we bring this message of reconciliation to those who are entangled in sin. And we need to remind each other. We look into the the future. We look into 2020. We look at this time uh, in December of of this year. Think about where we're going to be in a year. And think about where you're going to be spiritually. And then how many people are you going to talk to about this, this wonderful concept of reconciliation, about being brought back into a relationship with God? He concludes it in chapter 6. It's a bad chapter break. But in chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, he says, And working together with Christ, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says... At the acceptable time, I listened to you, and on the day of salvation, I helped you. Now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We have a precious commodity. I forget how many seconds uh, in a day, but it's like 86,000 or something. Somebody do the math. But it's like 86,000. It's it's a precious commodity. And tick-tock, tick-tock. How many more seconds do we have to live? We don't know, do we? We live as if we can live forever, and we will, but we often don't even think about death. And he says, no, today is the day of salvation, working together with him. This is the acceptable time. This is the day of salvation. You have a choice to make. Accept your ambassadorship. Accept the fact that you represent Christ on earth for the rest of your life. However long that may be. Maybe it's another five years. Maybe it's another ten. Maybe it's another twenty or forty or sixty. How long? For that entire time, You represent Him. Hmm. How are you doing with that? (laughs) Are you bringing more or less glory to God? Are you bringing more or less glory to the church? You see, we have this obligation. Why? Because today is the day of salvation. Now, this is a great invitation. Are you saved? If you're not, today's the day. We're not guaranteed anything. We're not even guaranteed the next heartbeat. But while it's still called today, put your Lord on in baptism. Put Him on and and accept this gift and say, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I'm going to represent you here on this earth. I'm going to go into all the world and I'm going to share the word of life. I'm going to share the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to bring people back into a relationship with God. For how long? As long as you live. (laughs) You've got something to do. We have something to do. 
And as a body, if we all put our minds to it, imagine. Imagine. If you're in, stay in. Don't walk away. Don't get disgusted with some individual. Don't get upset with the preacher ever. No, I mean, it's like, stay in. If you're in, stay in. Don't walk away. This is it. This is the place of salvation. This is it. And Christ says, I'm going to come back and I'm going to, I'm going to take my body, my members home. So if you're in, stay in. If you're not in, get in. What's your situation this morning? If you need to make some response publicly, do so today while it's still called today. All together we stand and sing. <clears throat>